So we're beginning a new sermon series. It's called Finding Joy in Real Life, Five Habits for Living Well. And they are concepts that if we can uh, integrate into our life, it will help us to find joy as we live our life. And so today, we're going to be talking about keeping the main thing the main thing. It's kind of a humorous way of sort of reminding us that as humans, um, I don't know about you, but I tend to get lost. I mean, not physically lost in my surroundings, but lost as to what I'm supposed to be doing. I I get caught up in uh, my work, and I get caught up with the stuff that my children are doing or the stuff that I'm doing in my family, and I really kind of lose track of what it is I'm really supposed to be doing. I kind of lose track of, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus sometimes because I'm just so busy living my life, sometimes running around putting out fires, sometimes just running from one thing to the next thing to the next thing that I forget what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm sure that doesn't happen to you all, but that's pretty much how I live my life. But Jesus really makes it clear for us what's the main thing. What's the main thing that we should be focusing on? We're going to take a look at it. It comes from the Gospel of Mark. It's in the 12th chapter. We're going to look at verses 28 through 31. So hear these words. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So if you remember what's happening in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 12, Jesus has told a parable that sort of casts some shade on the Sadducees and the Pharisees, sort of a a, kind of a swiping insult at them. And they're pretty ticked off. And and so, what do they do? They go and gather a bunch of lawyers to go and try and ask Jesus some tricky questions to try to get Him to say something blasphemous, something that they could use to string Him up, so to speak. And and so, in this chapter, uh, a number of people have questioned Him. One was about the Mosaic Law. You may remember um, there was a man who was married to a woman, and he had seven brothers. And as the custom was, if the brother died, the next brother in line was supposed to marry the wife. So, the question goes, well, this, this is what's happened, and then they die, they die, they die, the, the brother keeps remarrying the wife. Well, at the end of time, whose wife is she? And, and Jesus' response was, well, we're like angels. We're not really married off in heaven. And so, he answered that well. And so, that's where this Pharisee comes in and asks this question. 
about which is the greatest commandment. And that's kind of a trick question because they're not supposed to be one, number one. But, but Jesus answers and answers well, and he starts with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one. You shall love him with all your heart, mind, strength. So this is the opening line of the Shema. Every Jew knows this verse because it is what they open the whole prayer service that they do. They start this in the, they say this in the morning, they say this in the evening, and they say it before every prayer service. It's not unlike you and the Apostles' Creed. So they would have recognized this, that God is one and you shall love him. Now, it's sort of interesting. Um, it's really not enough to say that God is one. I mean, that, that's a key tenet in Judaism, that there is one God. But James tells us in, in the book of James that that's not enough to say that God is one. He says, even the demons believe that, and they shudder. It's the next part that's the really important part, to love God with everything that you are. So, so that's the commandment for us. There is one God, yes, we recognize that, and love Him with everything you've got. So what does that look like? loving God. Well, I mean, we've done some of that today, right? We've sung His name. We've praised His name in worship. We've prayed to Him. We've given Him praise for all that He has done. We've said thank you for what He has given us and done for us. And that's one way that we can show our love for God. But, but I have to tell you that without the next thing, all of that, you're just making noise. Our love of God begins with obedience. Obedience to God's will in our life. It's not enough just to say, I love God, I'm going to come to church on Sunday, and I'm going to sing your praises. No. It is to be obedient to God's will in your life. And listen, I am not talking about being obedient to the bishop or your preacher or the priest or the pope. I'm talking about your obedience to God's will in your life. Mary and Joseph, they were obedient. One question, 14-year-old girl says, one question, and then she says, yes, God, I will wreck my entire life for you. That's obedience. But, but I'm here to tell you that obedience doesn't always look like that. Sometimes it comes with some hesitancy. Sometimes it comes with some fear. Sometimes it comes with just some downright whining. Moses was obedient. But I would urge you to go back and read about the burning bush Three times he says, God, I'm really not the guy for this. Finally, he just gets down to whining and saying, God, can you please send someone else? 
And, and God actually gets angry with Moses and says, go, do it. So as God's will becomes apparent to you in your life, if it's simple, if it's easy, if it's comfortable, I would suggest you need to go back because you're not getting the message right. It's been my experience that when God calls us to do something, it stretches us. Maybe it stretches our faith. It can be scary. We, we can be hesitant. But our love for God begins with being obedient. And it can look all kinds of ways. Anybody here seen the movie Evan Almighty? Evan Almighty? Guy is called in the modern day world to build an ark. This is a follow-up movie to Bruce Almighty. Morgan Freeman plays God, and he has told Evan Baxter, I want you to build an ark. And Evan has gone from, oh, you're just some crazy dude, to actually, after God has done a number of things to convince him, I really am God Almighty. So this is Evan sort of saying yes to God's will in his life. So let's take a look at that clip. I, I love that scene, though. Um, Evan starts talking to God. God's made clear what he wants done. Evan starts talking to God and talks about all of his plans, all of his stuff, and God laughs. I think he does that to us. I, I have this saying that, that say we plan and God laughs. Evan said yes, reluctantly, not quite sure how he was going to do it, but he said yes to building an ark. He really wrecked his life for some period of time. Of course, the movie has a happy ending and it's all good. But would you be willing to build an ark in your backyard if God asked you to do it? I'm not sure I would. I'd probably have to get some counseling first to make sure I'm not really crazy. But obedience to God, that is where love of God begins, is obedience to God's will in your life. Now, in this text, Jesus took this really familiar Jewish text in their life, and he did something different. He did something new with it, with the way he said, and a second is like it, he really joined them into one commandment, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. He joined them together. From Jesus' lips, these things really are inseparable. They can't be pulled apart. It's a both and thing. Yes, we have to recognize God as one. We have to love God, but we have to love our neighbors as ourselves. 
Now, I know you all have heard enough sermons about who is your neighbor to know who it is. And it's not the person next door to you or across the street. It's everyone you meet. It's everyone in our community. It's the homeless guy on the corner. He is your neighbor. It might make you feel uncomfortable, but he is. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you know, you've heard preachers talk about it. There's different words that the Greeks have for different kinds of love. And the word that's used here is agape. And we sometimes sort of understand that as sort of this like brotherly affection, kind of like, I love you, man. Nuh-uh. That is not what agape love is. Agape love is best understood by Paul as patient and costly service to another. Think about that. Costly service to another. It means it's not easy. It means that you pay a price for doing this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Patient and costly service to others. So what does that look like? It looks like a vacation Bible school volunteer. You're, you're giving up your time. You could be doing something else, maybe more fun than being at VBS. But that's what it looks like. You're giving of yourself to, in this case, your neighbor's children. I think it looks a lot like ham. A bunch of churches, a bunch of people from the area coming together to feed the hungry. I mean, you all show up in groups of 20 and 30 to unload trucks. That's patient and costly service to others. What are the ways that you are serving your neighbor with patient and costly service. And look, we talked about this at Mother's Day, that sometimes as, as a, a mom or a dad, as a parent, a, even a grandparent, it can feel a little weird to say, my love of God is the number one thing in my life. I mean, even when I say it, it doesn't feel right coming out of my mouth because I want to say, no, it's my wife, it's my children. But that's not the commandment. The commandment is love God with all that you are and love your neighbors as yourself. And I, I just can tell you from my experience in my life, when I get the order correct, when I love God first, and my family second, my relationships with everyone and everything are better. And I know it feels weird. 
mean, we're, our culture tells us as a parent, your children are the most important thing in your life. And they are. But before they were your children, they're God's children. And your love of God should be the first thing in your life. And Jesus tells us, and loving your neighbor as yourself. So with this understanding of this being the main thing for us as followers of Jesus, if we can keep this the main thing in our life, it will help us find joy in the life that we're living. Jesus is very clear that this is the main thing. It's up to us to figure out how to keep ourselves focused on that. Keeping the main thing the main thing. This is just one step in finding joy in real life. Is to remember whose you are and to love Him first. That's the challenge. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, we know that you have a calling for each one of us, just as you did for Moses and Mary and Joseph, everyone who's come before. Father, open our ears that we might hear clearly what that calling is. And Father, help us to respond to that calling by saying, yes, Lord, send me. Father, we so desperately want to love you and be worthy of you. Help us to be obedient to your will in our lives. Help us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Help us to find ways to be in patient and costly service to our neighbor. Fill our hearts with love and grace for our neighbors. Fill us with a passion for those that do not experience or know your grace. Create for us opportunities to share what you are doing in our life that others may hear of your great work. Father, make us obedient to your will. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.